With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is Julio Rodriguez, and this is the Lookout Landing Podcast. The podcast that is supposed to be about baseball, but unfortunately there is no baseball, so we have made other plans. Uh, Today, we are continuing the Why I'm a Mariners Fan series. I'm very excited to have not one, but two guests who are also uh, Hollywood producers who promised to put me in the movies. That all happened just before we started recording, so none of you heard it, but they did promise to make me a big star, so that will be coming uh, later, keep your eyes on whatever movies look like now, I guess. That's kind of a weird hypothetical also. But uh, my guests today are Aditya Sood and Christopher Miller, uh, who are known for their work on movies like The Martian, Deadpool, Let's Be Cops, The Lego Movie, Spider-Man, 22 Jump Street, and our lifelong friends and Mariner fans above all else. Fellas, how are we doing? We're doing great, uh, doing considering... Really Living that bunker life. Yeah, I was gonna ask. I was gonna ask what your situation is. I mean, I'm sure you guys are. I mean, what does Hollywood look like right now? Is everything kind of stopped? Like, what's going on in the movie industry with you know no one being I mean, able to be near uh, each other? Surprisingly, uh, surprisingly busy considering that nothing, nothing is actually in production. Uh, we're finishing producing an animated film where people are animating from their homes. 
uh, a movie called Connected that maybe will come out in September if people are seeing movies then. Uh, and uh, writing a Spider-Verse sequel and writing on a, a, a TV show and a bunch of other things. So there's a lot of writing work happening right now. I see. I feel like the quarantine is doing that thing where it's like you have all this time. What are you going to do with it? And for some people, that's like I'm going to dive into my work. And for others, it's like kind of paralyzing. So I know it's like very for creatives. I feel like it's a very interesting time where you are really confronted with the idea of like how much you really want to do the work. You know what I mean? Yeah, we, both of us have kids as well. So uh, that Oof. ends up taking a, a surprisingly <laughs> large amount of time. I have heard that about kids. I think we're also both uh, realizing that there are going to be about 27 different uh, film and TV projects about uh, quarantine, quarantine comedies, romantic comedies, thrillers, or, you know, that we're all going to have to read after all this and relive every painful moment. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like for me, at least, I don't know if I want to be reliving all of this, you know, I kind of want to flush it and try to get back to just normal content. But if people are going to make the quarantine movies, I guess we can't stop them. Well, let's, we will try to stop them. That's (laughs) be my, my goal anyway, whatever I can do for my part, doing my part for America. So, uh, I want to, I mean, we're obviously here to talk about the Mariners and sort of how we all got into the Mariners um, originally and how it's kind of progressed over the years. But I'm curious, uh, I assume with your guys' profession that uh, your jobs have taken you out of Seattle. So I was curious if that is true, I'm assuming, how long have you been outside of the Pacific Northwest? Well, Um, we both graduated. We graduated uh, high school in 93. and we went, I came straight to Southern California uh, to go to college down here and uh, stuck around because it turns out uh, if you want to work in Hollywood, you got to live kind of near Hollywood. True that. And I, uh, I went back east for college and then moved to L.A. Uh, upon graduation. So I've been out in L.A. for... 23 years uh and i left yeah we both left uh seattle in 1993 back in the back in the heyday finally broken 500 the mariners had yeah kingdom griffey (laughs) yeah i've heard of them what a time to leave like wow you really get out right before everything really starts to pop off huh like, are you, and back then too, you don't even really get to watch them on TV very much if you're outside the, the Northwest. Well, so I mean, you... 95, those playoffs in 95, well, I was watching from the East Coast uh, and like, you know, on a TV and it was on at like one in the morning uh, and, you know, and I was losing my mind and because of the East Coast, everybody there was like Yankee fans and whatever. So I, uh, for me, I was like the only, the only Mariner fan that I could find out, out in, in the wilderness, but, but, and you had to stay up extra late and really care about it. Uh, so it was hard to find. And actually I would say in uh, 95 years before that, because it was that incredible uh, comeback against the, the then California angels. Uh, and one of my really good friends had grown up in Southern California and was a diehard uh, angels fan. He grew up uh, in orange County. And I just remember going to, 
just like oh, every day in August when the Mariners just kept winning and winning and winning, and I would just cut out the LA Times sports section uh, write-ups of the games and just like leave them at his door, which you would have thought would have completely jinxed the Mariners, and then it looked like it almost did, and then they won. I forget it was like they won the second to last, or they lost the second to last game, and then. They, they won the last game and, and then had the, the one game playoff. And I remember watching that uh, also in, you know, pretty unfriend, unfriendly, uh, an, unpre- an unfriendly situation with a lot of uh, Angels fans down there. And it was it was very sweet to see uh, Randy Johnson beat former Mariner Mark Langston in that game. Yeah, it's really like that was the only way I feel like it could have happened for the Mariners. Like they were they had to like not only have the most batshit insane season of all time, but then also in the one game playoff, it's like, hey, remember that guy that you all loved four or five years ago? He's the thing standing in the way of you actually making the playoffs like that is that seems so specifically like almost like written um, like it was a script for the Mariners. Like you have to beat the final boss who at one point was like the best pitcher in franchise history. And traded for Randy. Randy Johnson was like the throw-in in that deal, if I recall, right? There were like three pitchers and, and some 6'11 freak of nature who turned out just to be the most amazing uh, pitcher that I think I've ever seen in my lifetime. And then when we were in Southern California, we would go to the Angels games that were against the Mariners. And including, we, we had tickets for the game the Mariners were playing against the Angels on September 11th, 2001, which was Adithia's birthday. And I had arranged for his name to be on the board with the middle name Goms for Go M's. Uh, Adithia Goms sued. Uh, and that game obviously got canceled. Uh, and we had to <laughs> uh, have a makeup game where we had a makeup birthday wishes. In uh, uh, the Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I said, yeah. So we ended. So they ended up playing the game like three weeks later, and we went down to the to the ballpark. And I remember we were there with a couple of friends. One friend who was actually a classmate of ours who had come down. I think it was like the first trip he had taken after nine eleven. And uh, we went, and uh, it was it was actually the makeup game. I don't. No one will remember this. We'll remember this always. Uh, the Mariners were, you know, cruising that season, and all of a sudden, I think it was like in the fifth or sixth inning. Chris and I went down to get uh, to get some ice cream or something, and uh, Edgar Martinez actually got beamed by a pitch, and out of nowhere charged the mound, and this insane fight broke out. And I mean, just like we couldn't believe it, and you know, obviously, like Edgar was, you know, probably pissed off that he was going to, you know, get injured and miss the playoffs. And, you know, and so it just, it was like a really uncharacteristic moment. And uh, we got back to our uh, seats and uh, our friends were like, Oh my God, did you see that? Like, we can't believe it. That fight, it, it broke out and it was crazy. And, and Edgar, and he got tossed and he goes, no, no, no. Your name was on the scoreboard. You, you, did you see that? And we totally missed it. <laughs> It turns out they just like ran the wow. the, the program. They would were going to play on nine eleven. They just ran it, you know, on October seventh or whatever it was. Wow, one of the we... many tragedies of that time. <laughs> Very low on the list, but yeah. <laughs> 
So, okay, so uh, I have a little bit of background just from trying to set this up with you guys and talking about, you know, the logistics of this, but uh, you guys are lifelong friends, is that correct? Like, you have known each other since you were kids? Since we were in second grade. Um, true. We met in 1982, or was it? Yeah, 1982, yeah. yeah. And what part of the world is this happening in? I'm assuming Washington, but where specifically? Um, we met at the Evergreen School in North Seattle. I live, I lived, uh, I grew up in Lake Stevens, uh, and basically grew up in Bellevue, Issaquah. Yeah. Well, at that time, actually, I think we were living in in Mount Lake Terrace, and then I think we moved to Bellevue right afterwards. But we lived like as far as you conceivably could live, and still go to the same school. I mean, we were probably, I want to say, like and hour drive away from each other it was a long distance phone call if people remember what that mm. used to be wow uh, yeah we were only allowed to talk after 5 p.m because the rates would go down <laughs> word okay so the mariners of the 80s obviously are not very exciting uh were you were you guys like fans from the jump what do you remember about the mariners of your childhood and like when did you realize that you were like fans like i know that there's Everyone kind of has the moment that they remember from childhood, but for so many of us, it's the 90s manners where they have really exciting, nationally known players. So in the 80s, what was that like? I mean, what player drove you to be a Mariners fan? I really liked Alva Davis. He, I had uh, I had like a little mini poster of him uh, on uh, on my wall. But I think it really was, was like Edgar and Griffey in like 90, 91 right when, and I remember the season in 91, <clears throat> listening to all the games on a really crappy radio in my bedroom, and it was the first season they had gone over 500, and it was like winning the World Series. It was the most exciting, and it was pretty late in the season when they got like their 82nd win or whatever it was, and it was, and I was so excited, and I, that's when I realized, oh, I guess I must be a fan. If I'm excited about them breaking 500 for the first time in their franchise. I think that uh, I, I remember that well. Uh, I think actually the moment I became a fan was when the Mariners were inexplicably featured uh, in the third act of the Naked Gun movie. Oh, yeah. And I oh, just yeah, like I yeah, couldn't because yeah. I, 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 like, I think I even recognized the Mariners were sort of a joke. So like the, the idea that they were playing for the World Series uh, was... Uh, <laughs> was the most implausible thing in that movie, uh, which, which, which did co-star OJ Simpson as a really likable fellow. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Alvin Davis, Harold Reynolds, um, mm. those Harold guys. Reynolds, yeah. And, and I, I did actually really love Mark Langston. I remember he had a very cool, uh, I think it was his like 87 or 88, uh, tops baseball card. He was like in, in the stretch on his pitch. I was like, Oh, that's, that seems like badass, and so uh, he was. Uh, he was an early favorite, and you know, I remember going to games. I mean, to be honest, like I, I really grew up in in the eighties. Like my first love was the Sonics, um, and followed very closely by the Seahawks. And the thing about Seattle is, it always felt like there could only be like one really great team at any time. So the Sonics were kind of like on the downswing after winning the championship uh, in seventy nine. The Seahawks made the playoffs for the first time, and I feel like you know everyone was just so focused around them um, until you know then they got bad, and then Xavier McDaniel and Dale Ellis showed up, and then 
uh, yeah, and then the and then the, those Mariners, I mean, it just like the the players were were incredible, and you know, I think we were, I, I think we were all like huge Edgar fans from from you know, back in the third base days, uh, even before he was a DH, uh, and um, yeah, but I mean, it, look, it really was. I have to say, for me, I mean, you know, for in, in just baseball in general, I, I think it was the mid '90s that really like clicked in. Like everyone, yeah. Fair it was weather very fans. exciting. No. There's some exciting <laughs> baseball happening in the mid '90s. Well, I think it was also, you know, it was interesting because it was like a way to have a connection from like being away from Seattle. Um, you know, because like I said, we went to school in '93. '94 was the strike, so that all, you know, everything kind of got screwed up. And then all of a sudden, I think you know, we were both in college. You know, and you're surrounded by people who are not from your hometown. And then there was just this point of pride of this like scrappy, overachieving team that, you know, defied the odds in every conceivable way. And, you know, all of the stuff about getting the stadium and, and you know, it, it, it there was like a real point of civic pride. Uh, and so it became more than just baseball. I mean, I think it really did feel like, you know, it was it was a connection to home that, uh it was always fun to go to, to the games. And back then, when you would go to, to Angel Stadium, there were more Mariners fans in the audience than uh, um, in attendance than Angels fans. Until that stupid rally monkey showed up, and then it, it all went to hell. Yeah, that's interesting, <laughs> because I did the same thing. I actually went, I'm from Sammamish originally, and then I went to college in San Diego so I would, I mean, the Mariners play the Padres every year, but I was more interested in going to see them play the Angels because that felt like their most, like the rival, you know, like if I wanted to watch the Mariners right. play like a heated, as heated as they could be, I was like, I'm going to go watch them play the Angels. So I went to that stadium a couple times when I was in college. And first of all, that stadium is just nothing. Like it's a very weird <laughs> yeah. place to watch baseball. You know, I'm not, I, I think we're also just very, uh, sort of jaded by having Safeco Field, but, like, the stadium that's just surrounded by a parking lot is such a weird vibe for someone who's used to the complete opposite, where it's, like, in the city. But also, there's, like, no... There's nothing, like... There's just a rock pile. Like, that's the defining feature, you know? Like, there's nothing about that stadium that's memorable. So yeah, and it's like there, a Disneyland rock pile where it's, like, mm -hmm. fake, like, made, like, foam rocks that are not even real. It's... The whole thing is just kind of... So I think you guys, uh, you, you didn't have the joy of going to Angel Stadium before it was uh, redone when it was, um, I think the Rams used to play there, right? Like it was, uh, uh, it was just, uh, it was a terrible place to play baseball. And so I think like the Disney facelift was an improvement, but yeah, it, it's no safe go field. Yeah. Well, and also like, I think the funniest part about the Angels in general is like, I mean, there's a lot of funny things about the Angels, but, like, when they won the World Series, like, people are not going to remember any of the details. Like, I mean, obviously now we're, like, 18 years removed from it or whatever, but, like, everyone just remembers the rally monkey and those fucking, the red sticks that their fans banged together. Mm -hmm. Like, it was, it was very, like, it seemed very, like, we're introducing an entire region to baseball. Because, I mean, you guys know this, but, like, Anaheim and LA are two different places like Anaheim is Orange County LA is LA so it feels like when you like 
when that World Series was happening, it was like, okay, this is Orange County learning in real time what it's like to have a, a what, good sports what, team. What baseball like, is, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, like, that, give them this cute little with, mascot and these sticks to bang together and good things. Was that I, the I, period when I, they were called the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim? Uh, there was like two years where it was called that really awkward name. And yeah. it was sort of like, look, we're, we're L.A. as well. L.A. can root for us. The one thing I'll say about that 2002 team, though, that I will, I will, I'll never admit to it, but I have a little bit of a soft spot spot in my heart for that team, uh, was that the they played the Yankees in the first round of the playoffs, and I went to a couple of those games, uh, the playoff games, uh, and the Yankees fans were at just peak obnoxiousness. I mean, it was, it was. I don't think I've been around worse fans uh, in my life than those people. And to watch the Angels beat them and for these guys to have no idea what just happened to them was such delicious schadenfreude that I, I will never forget. And, and so I... I uh, you have a soft spot? I do or... have a little bit of a soft spot to that game. Now, I'll, I'll admit I was actually rooting for the, the Giants in that World Series because I, I, I am a Barry Bonds fan. But, uh, uh Yeah. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> so then, Fair okay, enough. I guess in the uh, in the timeline here then of your fandom, we've kind of talked about childhood, and then you get into the mid '90s, where like even people outside of Seattle are starting to notice the Mariners. But then, mm-hmm. if you fast forward a little bit, we have, I mean, Ichiro shows up. Yes. We have the the 116 win season where yes. even people who are kind of detached from the Mariners realize something very special is happening. So where are y'all in life when that's happening? What's going on as you're watching the Mariners from afar become the best team in American League history? Um, we were both in L.A., both early in our, uh, our entertainment careers. Uh I was just starting to work on a TV show called Clone High that was on MTV a billion years ago. I guess it was 2000, came on in 2002. Um, and, um, and it was very, very exciting. I, I definitely uh, fell in love with Ichiro immediately. And I mean, the whole, the whole team was awesome. I loved old Jamie Moyer and even the, Brett Boone bat flip, all that stuff. I <laughs> we were, I was in, full. Yeah, in. And, and you remember that? I mean, that was like we would lost Randy Johnson in '99. We'd lost Griffey right before 2000. Right. We had a Rod, and we right? just no, no, and we, we lost just A-Rod, lost a Rod. Right. Remember, he signed for 250 million right. bucks to go to play for the Rangers, and you know, everyone was like, "Well, this team is just nothing's going to happen for them." And yeah, they they signed this. Japanese guy and like what's that going to be about and Brett Boone came back that was the big free agent signing and uh, yeah and that team just like I don't think there will ever be a more special experience I mean maybe with the exception of the you know of the 23 I know we're not here to talk about football but the the 2013 Seahawks Uh, but (laughs) uh, it was just it was amazing and I remember going to those games um, weirdly I actually ended up at I probably went to 10 games that season, you know, a bunch in LA and then a, a few in Seattle. And actually I think they played the Dodgers interleague. Um, and I remember uh, you would go to those games in Seattle and it was like what I imagine like a religious revival, you know, is it's like, it, there was something in the air that was 
so electric when that team was playing, and especially when the team was down, because you always knew they were going to figure out a way to win. I remember we had one of our really close friends, um, also from elementary school, uh, got married that year, and um, hopefully she's not listening to this. But Chris and I actually snuck out in in the middle of after the after the ceremony, but in the middle of the reception because I think they were I can't remember if they're playing the White Sox, and um, it was one of those things where like they were down in the eighth inning, two outs, so what? And you know they just. Carlos Guillen probably laid down a bunt or something, and uh, yeah, and then they came back. And I remember we came back into the into the wedding. We avoided our friend seeing us, but uh, we just we would just tell retell the story like play by play of what happened, and it was just everybody was on the same wavelength. It was such a powerful right. uh, time. And Ichiro is such an unusual player that you know, like hitting those weird slap singles off of pitches in the dirt, and you know, throwing those ridiculous frozen ropes uh you know from from deep right field to third base he was such like a unusual player that it was like watching something you'd never seen before um so it was it was great yeah i feel like i have a similar experience i mean i remember because i think it's easy to forget now or at least it gets lost to history that the mariners of that era were like they were both very cool in Seattle because they had the new stadium and they had Ichiro, but also it was like literally the first time that Seattle had had outdoor baseball. So you have people who were there just to like sit in the sun, you know, and then they end yeah. up watching <laughs> the greatest team that the American league has ever seen. So it did kind of feel like a party. I mean, a religious experience, whatever you want to call it. Like there were people there who were experiencing something that they never had before and frankly, I mean, never have since. And like, it's such a specific little time capsule of Seattle. And the other funny part is like, you guys kind of mentioned, like they were very good, obviously, but outside of, I guess, Ichiro, Edgar and Brett Boone, you didn't really have like massive superstars. Like they weren't like the Astros of right now where one through seven, everyone is hitting 30 home runs. It was like, you know, it'd be Mm -hmm. eighth inning, two outs. And we're like, Oh, Tom Lampkin is up. Yeah, he'll get it done. And like, he wasn't good. Like, but we all just thought that everyone on that team was good by proxy. And like, you look back at it now on paper, yeah. and you're like, oh, a lot of these guys were just kind of no one. Like David Bell, like he played every day, and he was never that great. But for that Very season, good. he was exactly yeah. what we needed. Yeah, they were going to solve the problems by trading David Bell for Jeff Cirillo. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a. We will not speak the, of that. The the one other thing that um, I remember, I mean, a lot of things I remember that season, but uh, you know, they finally made the playoffs, and then you know that series with the with the Indians really was so stressful and Bartolo Colon, Bartolo Colon, and CC Sabathia, and you know, it just like it it felt like, hey, wait, how could this all fall apart? And of course, you know, we're we're probably what seven years uh after the uh the sonics lost uh to the number eight denver nuggets right so we're like okay is this just like a seattle thing like are we gonna all you know just have to suffer through this for the rest of our lives uh and thank god they came back but i remember we bought we bought tickets you could buy tickets for like speculative playoff games online. So, you know, we just assumed that the A's, because the A's were having like an incredible season also, and the A's were playing the Yankees, 
And so we just assume that, oh, well, the, the A's are going to win, so we should just, like, buy tickets to the, the A's-Mariners uh, game, uh, you know, four or whatever, whatever it was going to be uh, over the weekend. We bought tickets, and, of course, that was the, the famous A's-Yankees season, uh, series where uh, Derek Jeter has that no-look uh, pass to, uh, I forget who he got out at the plate, um, and the and the A's ended up losing that that series, and so those tickets, you know, were were weren't were any good. And I think that was the time I uh, I started getting really superstitious about ever, you know, buying try- tickets before yeah. they existed. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it's wild to think because when you brought this up, I just did some quick googling. Uh, the A's that year in 2001 won 102 games. Like they were a right. powerhouse, and they had you to mention winning 102 games, and, and they're not also even, not even coming close to being first in yeah. their division. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, they're also like, up to nothing on the Yankees, and then they lose yeah. that series. Like but everything like, that could have gone wrong for them went wrong. But didn't like the Mariners win like 93 games in next year, and were like third in in the yeah in the West. They didn't make the playoff. I mean, that was the right. one, it just like if you had said in 2001, Ichiro's rookie season, this is the last time until at least, well, let's be optimistic, at least 2020, that the, the <laughs> Mariners are going to make the playoffs. Uh, you would have bet so much money against uh, against those odds. It's just crazy. And that, yeah, that 02 season was such a, a heartbreaker, and then 03 was pretty rough, and then 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 the wheels fell off. But at least Ichiro got like you know his he beat George Sussler's record the year after that. But we started uh, making a, a yearly trip to uh, Phoenix for uh, spring training every year, right around then. I would say like 2003, 2004, somewhere around there. We started going every year, uh, and, and I would say we did that for about seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, that's right. I think it was, I think we started in O two because like we yeah. just couldn't wait after right. the O one season to just get more. <laughs> <laughs> and going to it was a great, it was a really nice experience. I don't know if you've done spring training, uh, uh, but you know you can get you can like sit out on the lawn and have a picnic and watch a game, and it's like nobody really cares about the outcome, but then you're always like getting swept up in the hype. Of like, well, maybe you know, look this guy, and you know, maybe if this all comes together, this is going to be their year. I, this it can happen. And year after year, I would get, I would like get suckered by spring training like hype talk, and I would then get ultimately disappointed. And <laughs> so then, literally, last year was the first year, and we stopped going to spring training, you know, after we had kids, but. Uh, Last year was the first year I was like, I'm not going to watch or pay any attention to the Mariners spring training. I'm not going to read a thing about them because I don't want to get my heart broken. And then they started last season, you know, on that win streak. And I was like, nope, not going to believe it. They're terrible. I'm not going to believe it. You can't get me there. And then finally, I think they were like 13 and two or something. I can't remember what it was, but they... In that April, they were awesome, and I was like, "Okay, fine, all right, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe." And then they suddenly just lost forever. <laughs> after I was like, "I knew it! I knew it!" I should I never trust. Every year, I, I forget. Too much. I was just saying, I think every year I forget if I've, if I'm still subscribing to MLB at bat or not. 
because <laughs> I, I always start and then like you stop watching and then you think you're still paying for it and then the next year you're like oh man I, I think the the one the killer for me was in God, oh in 2015 uh, I think they were you know I forget I forget what the configuration was but like everyone I think Sports Illustrated people were saying like this is the year and I was shooting a movie up in Vancouver um, and so you know I had I had MLB up at and then uh, you couldn't watch it because uh, it was it was you know in a foreign country and um, the and also they blacked out the Seattle broadcast because everyone in Canada just watches the Blue Jays so I was like really bummed out about that and then through a very um, strange set of circumstances I ended up in Hawaii uh, where my my wife actually gave birth uh, a little unexpectedly. And uh, so I was like, okay, well, at least, you know, I'm going to be stuck here for a bit. I'm going to be able to watch uh, watch the teams. But turns out uh, Honolulu is considered a home market for uh, the Mariners. So they actually blacked out all of the Mariners games in, in Honolulu, oh too. That makes no yeah. sense. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's a tease, man. I want to believe again. Yeah, Rob Manfred, if you're listening, first – get the season back and then second remove the blackout restrictions for the Mariners in Honolulu. These are yeah. the number the number 1 and 2 priorities right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I do think, though, you kind of touched on this idea of, like, the Mariners throughout their history have been pretty good at doing the opposite of what you think they're going to do. You know, like, I think 95 (laughs) is where, like, people start to really pay attention. But, like, that team is Griffey and, like, a lot of other good players. But even midway through that year, it's like, oh, they're done. Like, people are going to assume that the season is over, the Angels are way ahead. And then, you know, they flip that on its ear. It's like, no, we're actually going to make the playoffs. And then... You know, like you said, oh one, they have a clear path to the World Series. That doesn't work out. And then they just stop making the playoffs after that. It's like everything that you would expect the Mariners to do, they're really good at not doing that. Like you would never expect any team to go 18 years without making the playoffs, especially in baseball where things are just so right. random, you know, and it's like, oh, the Mariners found a way to do it. <laughs> Well, that was we my problem pl- last year was that I was like, I'm not going to believe it. And then maybe by not believing in them, they'll finally be good. And then they were good. And then I was like, okay, fine, I'll believe. And as soon as I believed, they then they just flipped the script on me again because they have to do the opposite of what you think they're going to do. I think we have to remake the Naked Gun just so we can, like, put <laughs> maybe that'll start the cycle again. Started we don't have to. Let's not remake the Naked Gun. I'm kidding. Sorry. Have y'all seen Little Big League? The Mariners are the villain in that movie. 
Oh, they are. I have not seen Little I Big Lake. Never seen, no, me either. Really? Someone did oh, tell should... me. Someone actually told me that that was one of the best baseball movies ever made, and I didn't not believe them. Uh, maybe I should have listened to them. It is no. This is the. This is all I've wanted. <laughs> this is my platform to talk about Little Big League. It's a great movie because it was filmed in 1994 during the players' strike. So a couple of the actors in the movie are actual baseball players so like the actual baseball scenes are very good because people who know what they're doing it's not just actors but uh not to spoil the movie because i think you guys should both watch it but so the okay so the movie is uh a child a 14 year old child who is the grandson of the owner of the minnesota twins inherits the team when his grandpa dies and then uh clashes with the manager so he fires him and makes himself the manager. So it's a fourteen-year-old, <laughs> a fourteen-year-old running a big league team, uh, and then they, the twins, you know, are in the movie. They're like a sad sack organization. Have never won anything. Been real down on their luck. And then obviously, because it's a sports movie, things turn around. They end up making the playoffs, and they have to play the Mariners. And Ken Griffey is in the movie, like not an actor. It's Ken Griffey himself, and he is like the final. <laughs> boss of this movie basically and he like has this scene where he robs a home run and it like looks it's all very cool like it's a good baseball movie because you can tell they put effort into the baseball scenes the actual plot is ludicrous obviously like a 14 year old would have no idea how to manage a big league team like none of the players would listen to him but it is a really good movie and it's funny to watch now especially when you realize that in 1994 or whenever like Griffey was a good person to have in your movie but that also means that the Seattle Mariners who had never done anything have to be the villain. And like that part has aged very weirdly because we all know what's happened in the next 25 years of Mariner history. Boy, it's a real victory to beat the Mariners. in the baseball yeah, game. I, What exactly. a win. What a win for I, our team. I would say, uh. I think the one, the one thing that probably was the most frustrating from you know the 10 years after the 2001 season was because you know the the whole money ball thing was happening at the same time and you know one of one of the things chris and i share is uh, a love of baseball but we also actually really love statistics and and math and and all this stuff and so there was you know we, we would we got really into you know looking at you know, why are the A's winning? Like, it, it just made us crazy because it's like the Mariners had all the resources in the world and you just felt that there was just, there were just smarter people running the team uh, in Oakland. And this whole thing that, that, you know, if you remember, it's like the Mariners seemed like they would say things, you know, off the record or whatever. It's like, we're not really committed to winning. We just want people to have a fun, safe time at the ballpark. And it made us crazy because we were like no no no, we want to win and like seattle's a really smart town why are they you know play why are they managing this team like from the 1950s instead of the 2050s um and you know and oakland would just like run circles around us with like a third of the of the um you know of the payroll and you would I just remember like the Mets were always like the the classic example of the team that had like every resource in the world, but they were just so badly run and you just never wanted to be them. Or I think the Orioles were the other team and just the Mariners ending up in this like bloated and mediocre to bad place was just, it was really disheartening because it felt like the process was bad um, on top of everything. 
Oh, I just remembered a, a Mariner's memory that has to do with Lookout Landing. How about that? Um, it used to be, I don't know, I haven't, I don't know if it was this way always, but it used to be, I used to go on to that website even back when it was like Justin Leone for third. Is that what it was called at one point? <laughs> um, but every time it was Felix Day uh, and he was pitching, they would play uh, Sunshine and Lollipops by Leslie Gore. They have a link to the song uh, on the website. Um, and uh, my friend Phil and I were making this animated film called Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. And we were looking for a song to play over this montage. It was like a feel-good montage. And I was like, well, I know exactly the song that we should put in this montage. It's the song I listen to every five days. Uh, and it puts me in a good mood. And it's about food. So uh, put it in. Uh, and then I and I think I feel like I sent an email to Jeff Sullivan, who was running the website at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Uh, and he was very excited to know that, that Lookout Landing had affected uh, an actual motion picture so there you go that's a that's a mariners uh in hollywood mini story <laughs> that's awesome i had no idea obviously so that's a, a great anecdote and actually is a great segue too into what was going to be my next question uh, which is i'm sure this has happened but i want to know sort of the specifics of it uh if you guys at any point in your career have had to do the weird uh, explain why you care so much about the Mariners thing because I'm sure like I don't want to say it interferes with work but like you know you're working or maybe you're at a wedding like you're doing your life and you're with people who you know are not sports fans at all and you have to explain oh actually sorry I can't or like my attention is elsewhere because you know the Mariners are three games up on a playoff spot and they have you know Hisashi Iwakuma on the mound or whatever like has that <laughs> happened where you've had to you've had to sort of give a person who has no idea what you're talking about uh, an explanation on why you're such a Mariners fan? <laughs> I, I I don't know if I have that, the direct... I mean, I think in that era... I Well, I think it was probably in 01. Uh, this was sort of in the early days of, of TiVo. And actually, I think, you know, we, we... I don't think it was widespread, but I remember having a TiVo and it was like that weird thing where the, you know, you had to use the little IR thing to, you know, rebroadcast the signals. It's like every third episode of something you would record, like wouldn't the cable box wouldn't change or whatever. And so uh, the Mariners were playing, I think it was, it was one of the playoff games. It was a daytime game. And um, we decided we were going to go into a media blackout and not know what happened, you know, and you didn't have, you know, you didn't have iPhones back then. So you weren't getting like updates on your phone or whatever. And so we we promised that we were just going to like watch the game. I think we were watching it together at like, you know, 730 that night, even though the game was in the middle of the day. And I remember I was an executive at Warner Brothers at the time. And, uh, I got called into my boss's office for some, I can't remember what movie we were working on at the time, but it was a real emergency. And I walked into the room and of course he had the game on television and I just went, ah, I can't, 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 can't. And I, I looked like such an idiot. Uh, and I literally <laughs> left his office. You're like, soon, what, what are you doing? I'm like, no, no. I, and I had to try to explain what a media blackout was. And, and then I ended up getting a lecture from him that um, TiVo, like as it was, TiVo was going to destroy 
the the media business and that like it was irresponsible for me to actually have a TiVo. Like I was contributing to my own, you know, misfortune in the future because, uh, you know, there weren't going to be ads on TV shows anymore and blah, blah, blah. So I, I got in a lot of trouble over it, uh, but I did maintain the media blackout. And of course I came home and uh, the game didn't record. <laughs> there wow. you go. I mean, I remember having to talk to my boss on some terrible sitcom that I was working on in the mid O's let me say 2005 2006 I was on a string of very bad sitcoms writing on terrible shows and I had to convince my boss that I needed to go to spring training with my friends <laughs> uh, and so I needed to miss some work and it was very important and it was not uh, it was not very well received and those aren't even uh, good teams either in 05, 06. Like, you don't yeah. have the, like, the excuse of, like, yeah, they could, you know, this team could win the this World the Series. This is the year. Ichiro was there, Beltre. <laughs> I, liked, I liked Adrian Beltre a lot back oh. in the day. Wait, there was, uh, another good, there was another good, you remember this story. The, we, I was working on a, on a movie that did, it was actually not going very well, and we were we were supposed to get a uh, to see a new cut of the movie over the weekend. It coincided with Chris and my trip to um, for spring training, and like we found out about it like on a Friday, and the you know, and they were gonna they were gonna show it to us on Saturday. And I did a thing that you were absolutely not supposed to do, which is I got a copy of the work in progress on videotape, but it, they couldn't make it till Saturday. And I found a, uh, it was a one day career. I mean, it was like, I didn't just did not want to cancel this trip uh, to go to, um, to spring training. And I got, there was a one day courier. It was like, it was basically the price of a, of a, you know, coach round trip ticket from LA to, to Phoenix. Um, and I mailed the, the tape. I mean, this really, you were not supposed to do this at all. And I remember Chris and I, I said, okay, I got to watch this movie. And we got to the hotel and, oh, and the thing that happened before that was when we got to, uh, Phoenix, uh, all the cars were, were sold up, but they're like, Hey guys, uh, you look like two young, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, eligible bachelors. Uh, maybe we could interest you in this, um, this convertible. <laughs> And we ended up renting this really stupid uh, convertible, uh, and and I was gonna and I was getting the movie the next day, and I we got to the the the, uh, the hotel that we were staying at, and realized that there was no VCR uh, that we could watch the movie on, and so we ended up going to a Walmart that was like right next to our hotel and actually bought an all-in-one TV VCR combo. Do you remember this, Chris? Mm -hmm. And uh, we bought it and then realized we couldn't fit it in the convertible. So we, we <laughs> I think I had to sit in the back and kind of hold it on a, on a corner uh, as Chris very gingerly drove us back to the hotel, um, ended up uh, getting the movie, watched it, it was terrible, uh, and then uh, ended up returning the the uh, VCR combo uh, to the Walmart the next day within 14 days uh, with a receipt. So we got our money back. Uh, free, and then... free TV VCR rental, it turns out. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we, that, that, that uh, our, our, our spring training trip was sacrosanct. 
man that's that's like such a i feel like these stories are like very specific to fandoms of not good teams you know what i mean like if you're a (laughs) yankees fan or a st louis cardinals fan i don't feel like you have that urge to like watch or consume everything because there's always the next game or even the next season and like oh yeah they'll be fine but with the mariners it's like you there's such a fear of missing out on the one anything time. because you don't yeah you don't know when they're gonna ever do this ever again so i totally get it i mean i was or ever for the very first time yeah yeah true i was uh i was in college in 2014 where they were, were like flirting with the playoffs for the first time since forever and mm-hmm. like that was that was tough because I was, and I've told stories like this on past episodes. So sorry to the listeners who have heard this a million times, but it's like, I, you know, college is like, yeah, go out, live your life. And I'm like, Oh, I can't <laughs> like, you know, the Mariners <laughs> are playing. And, yeah. And it's also like, you know, the thing that we've mentioned where it's like, they're not even very good. Like they had Cano and they had prime Felix. But other than that, it's like, I was eight of the nine hitters are, you know, your Dustin Ackley's, you're yeah. I don't know Brad Miller <laughs> you're Logan Morrison like not even very fun baseball to watch but knowing that they had a slim chance to do it made me just completely captivated and I was like I can't I know this is like the best four years of my life whatever blah 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 but if the Mariners make the playoffs <laughs> this will be the best one year of my life Guys. you know and I can't I can't risk giving that up remember flags fly forever exactly this year, they might have a chance just because if we have a very short season, then, you know, a fluke <laughs> might might happen that they can make the playoffs. I've they, been you know, saying that. In a 20-game season. Just yeah, saying. anything can I happen. I know so little about this team right now. If you ask me to name five players, I don't think I could do it. I know Kyle Seeger's still there. D. Gordon, who I, I think is charming. Um... They've got the pitcher Marco Gonzalez. Yep. And now I'm running. I'm running out. There's those new guys. There's like the new the new prospects, whose names I forget. Um, I'm literally Aditya. Help me out. I'm trying. Yeah, to I was gonna say. I, dude, I was gonna be like, is Willie Bloomquist still on the team? <laughs> I'm sure he's still on the team. <laughs> um, Mitch Chaniger is still there, right? Yeah. He was good once, and then isn't good anymore. Yeah, his, uh, injured. yeah. He, he got injured. He had a testicle right. injury that kept him out all of last yes. year. Yes, <laughs> testicle nice injury. Um, yeah, the son and... of a urologist. That's serious. Don't don't mess yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, honestly, I'm I'm working hard on a fifth, but there's Justice, uh, uh, the pitcher, the young guy. What's his name? Justice, last name, forget, can't remember. <laughs> uh, this is how Sheffield. separated I am from the Mariners right now. It's very sad. Sheffield, that's oh, it. Joseph man. Sheffield, yes, he, I, 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 he's promising. Vogelbach still playing? Yeah, we still got Vogelbach. Vogelbach? 2019 All Star Dan Vogelbach. Yeah. 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 There you go. So there we go. We could we could name five players for the Mariners now. <laughs> oh man, it's just that's tough. It's tough. Tough days. It is. And it does lead to the next logical question, which is when did you feel your fandom start to fracture? Obviously, 01 is such a huge high, and then it's easy to sort of pay less and less attention with each passing year. But, I mean, you guys mentioned, like, you were still going to spring training for a while, and then I'm assuming Mm -hmm. in the Cano era, when they're actually pretty good, you're paying somewhat close Mm -hmm, attention. mm -hmm. So Definitely. 
-hmm. Take me through, I guess, from the mid-2000s to now, how your (laughs) fandom has evolved. I know it's a long stretch of time, but, like, from the really bad years of, like, the late aughts, early 2010s to, oh, we have Robinson Cano. That's interesting. Like, how does your... Because also, I'm assuming that your work is taking off a little bit, so, like, you have other obligations as the manners are going through all these ups and downs so how does your relationship with the team change over the last 10 years or so i mean i really wanted felix to put the pitch in the playoffs that was the thing that was like keeping me interested for years was going like i just want felix to i want him to stay i want him to like it here i want him to i want him to get a chance to pitch in the playoffs because he deserves it uh and that that kept uh, that kept me there, but I think having kids and having too many disappointing spring training experiences, like, made it a lot harder to watch as many games, and it became less essential to watch the games every I, single day. I think that's the tricky thing about baseball, right? Which is it it's relentless. You're you're playing every single day, and you're just reminded of the abject failure every single day, and it stops. It just it stops being fun at some point, and you and then if you don't have the like Chris said like the time commitment, you know, and you start missing a few, and then you miss a week, and then you're like, wait, oh, the trading deadline just went by. Oh, they traded that guy, you know. And and it's funny because you know I, I make fun. I mean, the, the Willie Bloomquist thing made me so mad, but um, you know, I, I I then did become really susceptible to the like the weird let's bring back the old player stunts like you know when Griffey came back or when Ichiro came back and you're like okay well at least now I have like an emotional connection even though I know this is really like a terrible baseball move but you know you you could at least get a little bit of that um that connection back um which I'm sure is why they they did it um but it's yeah I I think I think the Mm -hmm kids thing was hard um and work obviously and then you know you just there's only a certain amount of of statistical data you can retain in your head and and you know let's be honest once russell wilson you know started winning those games the way that the mariners were doing and they thinning it's just you know your attention starts to wane a little bit i hate to say it yeah Cano got, got kept me interested for a little bit, and then the last couple of years has been really, really tailed off. Uh, I, I sort of check box scores and look at highlights if there's something interesting, but it's not the same as it used to be. For a long, long time, and I've been, you know, you know, even in some pretty crappy years, where they were very bad. Um, uh, I was still like following it much more closely than I than I have in the last couple. Just been so frustrated with all the decision making that's been going on. It's really hard to hard yeah, to. But you know, as soon as there as soon as there's really hope again, I'll be right back. <laughs> and I'm a sucker. I was just gonna say, you know, I think the other the other thing that I realized is like changed in you know in the last call it five or 10 years. And maybe it had a little bit to do with the Mariners, but it also just has to do with like how we're watching television is, I mean, I used to watch sports center every night, you know, and I don't think I've watched sports center and I don't know how long. Um, so that even, you know, you would just, you know, cause you're on Netflix or you're doing, you know, whatever it is. And, and so it's just like, you, you would at least have this connection, you know, and you would see the highlights. Like you didn't have to seek it out. It would sort of find you. 
Um, and, and so now you have to be really intentional about, um, about your fandom unless if you, if you, and if you're not following it, it's just really easy to, to get thrown off. Well, I've got one other uh, embarrassing fandom story, uh, which is uh, about I think about three years ago, maybe. Uh, it was five. It was almost five, five years, years ago. ago? It was it was when my son was born. Okay, right there you go. Yeah. Uh, they uh, um, they asked me to throw out the first pitch uh, on a July Fourth weekend because they were doing they were going to show the Lego Movie after. Um, after the game, it was like a Sunday day, you know, family family event, and they were showing the Lego Movie, and and I, my friend Phil and I uh, had uh, written and directed that movie, so they and they knew that I was a Mariners fan, so they asked me to come and throw out the first pitch. I was very excited, um, but I threw the worst first pitch. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, it went way. I was so nervous that it was going to bounce before I hit home plate that I just like really went for it. And then the a ball hung on in my hand and then went way left, way, way left. And then the announcer said, well, I guess not everything is awesome. Uh, and I was like, <laughs> Oh no. Oh no. Uh, you, you had that, you had that insult in your, in your holster ready to go. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was, it was what should have been a glorious memory turned into a very embarrassing, very embarrassing one. My whole family was there. Uh, it was great. It was. It's great. all right. It's not like the video is easily accessible online, <laughs> so don't don't look it up. Please. HTTP. Uh, <laughs> do you uh, do you remember who was your catcher for that? Who like got to um, receive yes, your first was, pitch? Yes, it was. Okay, it was like. Back up shortstop. Um, I think I still have. He got signed me the ball. I have it in here somewhere. Back up shortstop from five years ago was Spike Owen. No, um, it was. Is that Chris Taylor no. territory? Who oh, actually man. is good now? <laughs> um, I don't know how I would. I can't honestly can't Maybe remember. Like, uh, Luis Ricky something. Oh, Ricky Weeks. Ricky Weeks. Yeah, it was Ricky Weeks. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Ricky Weeks was catching for me. Yes, Ricky Weeks was catching for me, and he was like, "It's all right, man." As he like ran after the ball, and I was like, "Oh, it's all right, man." Yeah. Well, I'm always fascinated by that because I want to know like how that decision is made. Like, it seems like they don't make someone who's about to play in the game catch the first pitch. So you usually get a backup or a starting pitcher who's not pitching. And I'm always curious, like, if they want to do it or if it's, like, a, a punishment, you know, like a kangaroo court situation where it's, like... Yeah, like, you, you got to go out there and catch yeah. the suckers <laughs> fall. I'm sure that no one was clamoring to... Uh, or, conversely, to I mean, I know... My friend uh, Isabel, who used to work for Lookout Landing and now works for the Hall of Fame, she told a story once of being in the clubhouse on a day where Chrissy Teigen was throwing the first pitch, and it was uh, the opposite, where all the players were like, I want to catch, catch, I want to catch, I want to catch. <laughs> yes. And I think they well, eventually had Cano do it, because he's just the most famous guy, and they had famous right. guests. Yeah. So I, there's some differences between Chrissy Teigen and me, I would say. <laughs> they were both, uh, I don't want to make news here, but... They're both involved in the movie 
Connected. Connected coming out September, uh, hopefully, if there are movies. She is a voice in that movie. It's true. Oh. And it's a delightful person. Great. Well, I guess then my last question for y'all is, uh, what are your uh, what are your thoughts right now about the Mariners and about baseball? Are you optimistic that we'll have a season? Like, have you guys been reading into these plans that MLB is coming up with, or those are where crazy. are you at with? <laughs> yeah, it's all very hypothetical. I just want to know where the tryouts for regular people are going to be after the entire MLB contracts coronavirus after they quarantine them all together. <laughs> You'll, you'll finally get to actually live out Little Big League. How's that? That's right. <laughs> Except for everyone will be 14. Um, the It seems like it would be hard to do anything before it could be relatively safe to have large groups of people together. That's my hot take, hot sports take. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It is weird, though. I mean, baseball is, I guess, except for, like, plays at the plate or, you know, if you're trying to steal. Like, one of the most is kind of six games. feet away yeah. from each other, you know. It's sort of... That is true. Yeah. It's the closest you could get, but I don't know. It, it seems... Listen, I love baseball. I want baseball to be played, uh, you know, as, as soon as possible, but uh, you got to keep people safe. And I don't know. I just I just worry that they're doing it for the wrong reason, and then you just that that that's going to lead to bad outcomes. But by the way, what they should do is just why don't just broadcast the uh, uh, two thousand one um, uh, games all over again, minus the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> as long as we have something to show the people, they're not going to know the difference, right? People are stupid. Sports fans That's are, right. you know, generally the brightest <laughs> I mean, bulbs on the tree. <laughs> the uh, like the video game versions of MLB are pretty, you know, realistic now. They could probably just just do that, and people wouldn't really know. That's also a great point. Yeah, might as well. All right. Well, Chris, Aditya, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about baseball in a time where we have no idea when baseball is coming back and uh, explaining your Mariner fandom. Now is the portion of the show where you get to talk about yourself. So plug whatever it is you have coming up. I know that your industry is in kind of a weird spot, but if you want to direct people to your social medias or whatever it is, uh, now is the time to do that. Fire away. Um, uh, we already talked about Connected, which uh, is a super funny uh, movie that uh, that we're, we're producing and uh, is written and directed by this guy, uh, Mike Rianda, who is from Gravity Falls. It's a very funny movie, and it's very relevant to what's going on uh, nowadays. We also have a show on Fox uh, called Bless the Hearts that's coming back uh, this fall uh, also still crazily in production because people can draw things from their houses uh and a whole bunch of other stuff that i can't quite talk about just yet uh but there's a bunch of very exciting stuff on the on the near horizon am i missing anything in i think i think that's it yeah we're we're in we're in that weird uh you know black ops cia moment where we we, we could tell you but then We'd have to go and personally Embrace murder everybody who listens to your thing, and that's bad for your, your viewership right. and listenership, so we won't do that. 
Yeah, you're the general managers who are working on a bunch of trades, but you can't talk about it until it's <laughs> exactly. finalized. Exactly. Yeah. Some very exciting DePoto stuff happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, Both of them are trying to acquire Mookie Bats right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting one Gonzalez, guys. We're finally going to fix that left field problem for the Mariners. <laughs> it's troubling yeah. us. Yeah. Um, well, it's been uh, a lot of fun talking to you, Matthew, and yeah. uh, hopefully we'll talk again sometime. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as long as we have this weird sort of period of time where there's no actual games to talk about, we need to fill our schedule. So you guys were (laughs) wonderful guests and we will remember you in the future. Uh, My name is Matthew Robertson. The listeners probably knew that already, but you can follow me on Twitter at mrobertson22. Continue reading Lookout Landing and following us uh, on all platforms. And if you like this podcast, Go ahead and press subscribe. It helps us create more of them in the future. To my guests, thank you so much. And until next time, bye.